incredible joy it is to be here together. Do y'all remember a year ago? I do. <laughs> Stunned at home, going, what just happened? And, and the thought of not being together on Easter was just one of the, was just one of the most hard to, to put together thoughts that I've ever had as, as, a, as, a, as a pastor, just to to, to just suffer the loss of you guys. It is so good to be together with you here. It is so good to be together with you guys that are, that are online. And, and I just want to say, um, all of us together, we're back. You got it? <laughs> Today we are bringing to conclusion a series called The Insanity of the Cross. It's a series that the very title of it may be offensive to some. To put the word insanity and cross together in the same sentence. But, but I want you to pay attention to the parentheses because, because we live on the other side of that. Guys, this morning I want to share with you that I believe that life's forever crazy until you follow the cross to an empty tomb. That you and I have to make this journey in some ways very personal and very real. And, and somehow we have to decide, no, what's really crazy in the world? Is this book crazy? Is this book a book of religious exaggeration and untruths and unreality? Is this world sane? Can anybody really have lived through this last world, this last year of the world and call this right, sane, wanted, not only COVID, but the insanity of the racism that we've seen, the division as a nation when clearly a house divided cannot stand. We can look around and call all of that normal. Years ago, I was uh, working as a student pastor and there was a man who would not let his son come to student ministry. And, uh, and I wanted to, to go and talk with him and see if I could persuade him to let his, his son, nice, amazing young man, if I could get him to give permission to come to student ministry. And I sat there with this guy, and what I discovered with this guy is this guy had an IQ somewhere above 155. So I, I felt much outmatched in it. Uh, from the start of the conversation. But the more he talked and the more ideas that he, he began to lay out, the more I began to realize, wait a minute, one of us here is crazy. <laughs> one of us ain't right. And that truth is a truth that you and I have to, to decide and make a decision for ourselves about what we believe about the world and ourselves and Jesus. Somebody ain't right. Somebody's wrong. The way of this world and, and what it argues, the, the ways of, of self and, and self-centeredness, the ways of, of sin and, and brokenness versus the ways of Jesus and the cross, one of those two things does not look like the other. And so your life, I believe, I want to suggest, is going to be crazy here on earth and forever until in some real and personal way you make a faith journey to the cross and to the empty tomb. And when you connect those things to your life, 
then I believe the insanity ends and the peace begins. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, the scripture says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so there's this dissonance between interpretations. There's this, this conflict between those who would say, wait a minute, Jesus and the, the, the Bible and the cross, those are religious myths. They are they're not for me. And, and those who would say, you know, I can find my way in this world just fine. Somebody's crazy here. And either this world is insane or the cross is, or either the cross is sanity and, and this world is... One of those two has got to be where you and I land. And I, I want to take you back today to 2,100 years ago, the journey of two women on the, the Resurrection Sunday in Matthew chapter 28. And there in verses 1 through 10, the Scripture says, After the Sabbath... At dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now I want you to, to let this mean more than, than you know, just a simple shallow reading would, would make it. Think of where their world was. Think of what Mary had seen um, as, as the hope of her life, Jesus Christ, was crucified. Of all the... The, the crazy that was in her life before, in, in, in the brokenness of this world, trying to find happiness in the arms of, of, of one man or, or another, of, of trying to find your way powerless as a woman in the world. A woman in that world could not own property. A woman was property, essentially. A woman could start no business. A woman had no place except with a husband or in her father's home. And if a woman was divorced and put out of her home, she literally, the only option most would have if they couldn't go home was simply prostitution. And then came Jesus. Then came the one who loved her. Then came a love that finally began to make sense of her world. And, and not only her world, but her sin and brokenness and her shame. And love looked at her shame and said, you are not shameful to me. You are worthy to me. I love you. And I forgive you. And her world began to make sense in the love of Christ. And she began to follow Jesus. And Jesus, along this way, began to tell her, there will come a time when I will be arrested and I will be crucified, but on the third day I will rise again. And nobody could make sense of this message, least of all Peter who said, no, that'll never happen to you, Jesus. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Because this is what I'm here to do. Mary followed Jesus to the moments where she saw her, the, the Savior, the love of her life, whipped and beaten and crucified and dead. Her world was shattered. And so 2,100 years ago, another broken human being looked around at the world and said, there's got to be more than this. I'm not just going to be another rat in the race. I'm going to wake up and, and, and think about what Satan doesn't want me to think about, and that is that I'm going to die in this world. 
If I got everything I wanted, it still wouldn't be okay, and you're not going to get all you want. You got it? Thank you, Pastor Drew, for that uplifting message today. (laughs) Think about it. This world will reward you with six feet of dirt in your face one day and a bunch of other people sitting around eating chicken and macaroni and cheese. And then they're moving on. (laughs) That's crazy to me. It's got to be more than this. And so, Mary comes to the empty tomb to look for Jesus. She hadn't given up hope. The scripture says, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. This is, this is great stuff. There's humor here if you've got the eyes to see it. You remember all the different ways God's revealed himself in the past when at the birth of Jesus, there's the, the angels above illuminating the night sky competing for the stars to reveal the glory of God, you know, declaring that the peace of, of God has come to earth, and now Jesus is alive. And the earth itself can't stay still. It's as if it's so excited about this, this earth-changing news that it, it has to move, it has to jump, and the, the ground shakes violently, and an angel Lord came down from heaven, and he went to the tomb, he rolled back the stone And he sat on it. You know, there was more than a time or two when my brothers and I were playing when we were young. And they were much, much bigger than me. That when we were finished wrestling, my brother Hal would just sit on me. This was his message. I'm done. I'm finished. And he literally sat on my chest and I'd be there. Get off me. Get off me. You know, and and, and of course, the more I hollered, the more he'd, he'd sit, right? Anybody else have brothers like that? I'm sorry. And there's the angel of God sitting on the tomb that was supposed to to end the story of Jesus. There's humor here. His legs were probably crossed, you know, and, and, and all of heaven is just going, we told you so. The guards, the scripture says, these guys, this wasn't their first rodeo. They'd been to crucifixions before. They'd seen this. They'd seen all kinds of of criminals, all kinds of craziness. They'd seen all kinds of losers lose their life on crosses before. And and their interpretation of this Jesus was he's just one of them. Just another crazy guy who, who got crucified and is, you know, dead and deserves no more attention. But then Easter. And he begin they begin to interpret everything different. The guards were so afraid. Well, I I skipped a verse. I don't want to do that. Verse 3. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. This angel was impressive. This angel sitting cross-legged on on the, uh, the stone. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Their interpretation of events was changing with the resurrection. And the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. Wow. That's the same words the angel said when they showed up to announce the birth of Jesus. Do not be afraid. And here at his resurrection, 
to a woman whose life was shattered in the sin and insanity and the, inf- the unfairness, the inequity of this broken world, whose life was made sane in Jesus and then apparently just, just for a moment shattered again in, the, in the, cr- the cross. It's all coming together again. And I promise you that for the rest of Mary's life, we don't know how long she lived from here on in, but for the rest of her life, all of her pain, all of her heart, all the crazy of the world, she never forgot the resurrection. And I would bet you, and we can see one day when we stand with uh, Jesus and we get to talk to her one day, that for the rest of her life, Every time she was hurting, every time that, that, that there was a conflict between what she was feeling and what she was hoping, between what she was seeing and what she was promised in Scripture, that she remembered the resurrection and that she remembered that that was the finish of, of all the pain and the suffering. And I bet you her life was a courageous life, an unafraid life. I bet she, she listened to the angel that morning. Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Was, but not is. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going on ahead of you into Galilee. Guys, I'm telling you that the cross and the resurrection are the only things that make sense of everything in life. And if you will put them together with a believing faith, not religion. I don't want you religious. Throw your religion out. Drop it back in hell. But come to the cross and then make your way to the empty tomb and stand there and decide, what do I believe about this? Jesus, are you the Savior and the Son of God? Are you the resurrected one who has promised that you will be with me through every day of my life? That I can stand on your word when my life is hard. That I never have to be afraid when fearful things happen in this insane world because your resurrection answers my my pain and your cross, in fact, means you are with me in, in, in my pain and suffering. Russell Moore said this, the resurrection is not the overturning of the cross as though the crucifixion were a defeat and the resurrection a contradiction of that defeat. The cross and the resurrection were both part of one act of love, one mission, one redemption, all tied together to make sense of one crazy world. The cross is where we can begin to believe that God is in our pain You see, hell is going to want to do one of two things in your life. Hell is going to want to distract you in this world and think, make you think that you can find your way and your happiness and your peace and wholeness in this world and never really think seriously about Jesus. And if you'll do that, hell will be happy in you not thinking about how crazy this world is. You, you, you live, you know, with, with parents, hopefully, who loved you and experienced love, and then, and then you hope to find somebody who will love you called a husband or a wife, and, and then maybe you do. And then God blesses you with a child, and you hold love in your hands, unconditionally in your hands. And then for, for some of us, that, that person who promised to love us, As one woman said, this was the man who I thought I would take a bullet for only to discover that he was the one shooting the bullet. 
and the divorce happens and, 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 and your hope in this crazy world falls or, or, or it doesn't and, and, and you stay together and, and, and you raise love but you can't keep this person you love and they die or you do and you are apart and, and that child that you brought into the world in hope and, and, and in love, you are no longer able to, to be there and love them. Is that all there is to this? Is that the meaning of this world? You just run the rat race only to end up a very tired old rat? There's got to be more than this. And this Bible, this book from beginning to end declares there is more. There is meaning to your life and it is in the love of God for your life. Not from a distance watching from the heavens but here on earth carrying your pain on the cross with you. What the cross means is that God has empathy. He feels with you. Every hurt you've ever heard He carried and answered on the cross. You are not alone. cross also means that, that we're not bound by sin anymore. We on our own could never overcome our own broken. We can't unbreak this world. But on the cross, Jesus was our substitute. His blood was shed for us so that our sin debt was paid. And now we are free. Like the, the person in line, you know, at Starbucks, they, they pay for your whole order and, 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 and you get something for nothing. In an infinitely larger way, Jesus paid all of our sin debt that we could never pay. And I got to be honest with you, you got to be either blind or, or stupidly arrogant to think that you could ever be perfect enough for God and, and deserve heaven. On the cross... God defeated hell for all time, crushing the power of sin to separate us from God for any reason. And if you and I will believe that on that cross, love was dying to forgive us, we can begin a journey of life-changing salvation that overflows into world-changing love. John 1.29 is John the Baptist looking at Jesus and saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Galatians 1.3 says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for all our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. And what the scripture is saying is this world is evil and crazy. And here in Christ is sanity and love. The cross and the resurrection, they're the only things that make sense of everything. The resurrection means Love wins if I trust God's love in my pain. It, it transforms the meaning of my suffering. It, it means that, that death is defeated. First Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In John 11, Jesus uh, you know, said to, to Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Jesus asked all of us a simple question. Do you believe any of this? Is this crazy talk to you? <laughs> or is there something inside of you that looks around in the world and, and sees it's broken and says, wait a minute. That's all crazy. This makes sense. I believe. I'm telling you guys, 
I'm telling you with all my heart, the cross and the resurrection are the only things that make sense of everything. And when you and I can put these two things together in life, then, then everything changes. So, so, so here, here it is. This cross, resurrection, is a picture of the rest of our life. And for a time, we are both in the cross event and the resurrection event. You, you can't have one or the other. Right now, we're kind of in both. And but what I mean by that is Jesus himself said in Luke 9:23, "Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me." So, so in this crazy world, there's a cross that we have to carry. We have to participate in the death to this world so that we can participate in our our resurrection to new life. Jesus goes on to say that that whoever wants to save their life in this world is going to lose it. So that's a crazy deal to make. But whoever loses their life in this world for me and the sake of the gospel is going to keep it. That's, that's the deal. And so, so we make this connection between the cross and the resurrection by faith. And we reinterpret the rest of our life differently. So when we hurt, we, we put the meaning of the cross together and, and the, the coming of the, the, the resurrection, just like Jesus did. On the cross, Jesus wasn't there you know, alone. God was with him, even though he felt alone. And, and every moment on the cross, Hebrews 12, 2 says, Jesus was looking, living with the joy of, of what was next. It says that we are to, to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So, so I'm, I'm wrapping it up with this. You've got to pay attention. Guys, listen as, as best you can in these moments. It's not a cross and then some disconnected resurrection for your life. It's both here and now. And you're going to have pain. And you're going to hurt. And you're going to either interpret that pain and that hurt as evidence of God's absence or a part of your journey to the resurrection. And in all of your hurting, before you, you have the unalterable, absolutely proven in history answer of the resurrection. You are going to win because love already won. And when you trust that, your time on the, the crazy spinning planet of earth and your time carrying your cross is a short time compared to the eternity that you're going to experience the resurrection of new life. But even as you sometimes hurt here, you will not be afraid when you believe. And the hope of the resurrection and the joy of God's love, just like for Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, it's going to make sense of everything. Will you let Jesus, his cross and resurrection, make sense of your life from this day forward? Will you so be drawn into this story that it becomes the central interpretive focus of your life, not some periphery religion, not some, some once or twice a year you know, experience. No, this is the only thing that makes sense. And now, because I believe today, now, the rest of my life makes sense. Today, will you take up the cross and will you begin your joyful run to the resurrection 